Our reading this evening is 1 Chronicles 29, um, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 20, and if you're following this uh, in the Church Bible, it's page 433. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colours, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and for the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 dacrids of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Geshemite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. 
Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves, before the Lord and the King. And this is the word of the Lord. Um, Thank you, uh, Victoria. Isn't that a great reading? It's a joy to to listen to. Thank you for for reading it, Victoria. We're talking about giving, in case you hadn't uh, picked that up. Um, Giving is a a key um, component of what it means to be a follower uh, of Jesus. Uh, of what true spirituality um, looks like, of what it means to have an encounter uh, with God. Um, and to see, uh, to see this, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this um, passage here from uh, 1 Chronicles. We're, we're kind of dropping into it out of nowhere, which is always a bit tricky because uh, we see it, uh, what's the context, and we do need to spend a bit of time just thinking about that. Um, we're looking at here David, King David's life, and uh, we see how the grace of giving was working out in his life, and um, I hope that we can see, as we, as we look at him, we will be able to, to see how the grace of giving can work out in, in our lives. So let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Um, God, our Father, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for this wonderful word, and we pray that your spirit would help us to understand um, more about the grace of giving. And uh, Father, we pray that you will affect us and change us and mould us into your likeness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, we'll be helpful to keep it open in front of you, um, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Let's um, start by considering... um, David and what did he want for his people as king? What did he really want? What was going on here? Um, king David here is, is at the end of his life. Um, and what he wants more than anything is to see God at the very center of his people. That's really important. He wants to see the God's presence at the very center of his people. And um, uh, to give an example of this, uh, you might remember the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember that Ark of the Covenant? It was a box about so big. 
Um, it contained the Ten Commandments in it. Um, it was the only piece of furniture that was in the tabernacle, the tent that went through the desert um, with it. Uh, and this box, the ark, was in the most holy of holy places within the tabernacle. And above the ark was the Shekinah glory of God, uh, where God would appear, uh, uh, his presence was in the tabernacle, the presence of God, where God dwelled. Now, what happened by the time we get to David becoming king, um, guess what? The ark, of all things, had been lost. <laughs> Terrible situation. It had been lost. You see, what happened is that the Israelites... Um, went into battle, and they decided that the ark, uh, they used the ark rather like a sort of a talisman, a kind of, a kind of good luck charm in battle. So they would take the ark into battle, thinking if we take the ark into battle, um, God will zap um, our enemies and um, everything will be good. You know, that was the kind of thinking. And, and what it really told us is, is a, kind of, a, a kind of magic approach to um, God and how he exists. And, and sometimes we have that kind of approach to God as well. Because what we tend, what we can slip into is thinking that God is somehow like a, a, a force, that he is going to act for us as a kind of talisman into a situation. Um, and what happened is that they forgot that God is actually, he's not a force, God is a person isn't he? He's a person who, who wants relationship first and, and foremost. And um, what happens is that they took the ark into battle thinking it would work for them. And guess what? It got captured and it got lost and it was taken into the hands of the Philistines. You remember them, the Philistines, the big man? With the, you remember that. <laughs> That's another story. Um, so you see, uh, this is kind of a wrong way of... Uh, way of thinking about God, isn't it? It, it? it wasn't so much as that they had the wrong doctrine or they had slipped into some sort of agnostic idea about God that we have in, sometimes in our day, but they were treating him in, in, in a different way, rather like a force, rather like an impersonal God who was to do their bidding. Um, they had no real relationship as a person. Um, and that, that's essentially what happened here. And King David comes along at the end of his life, and he wants to change this situation. He doesn't want God to be treated like this. And so one of the very, very first things that he does is that he gets the ark back when he becomes king. It's one of the very first. You can read about it early in Chronicles. And he brings the ark back into Jerusalem. Why into Jerusalem? Into the very center of the people of God, the very centre, because he wants to be God, to be at the very centre of everything that goes on in their lives. Um, not only that, but he decided to then build a, a temple for uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, a permanent temple. That's what he wanted to do, so that people could come near to the presence of God. And, and that's what, where we get to at the end of Chronicles here. Now, what's that got to do with giving, <laughs> you might say? Well, well to, do, 
this temple, he had to raise a lot of money, um, basically. He had to raise a lot of money for the work. Uh, and how does he do that? Well, look at with verse 6 with me. He tells us that then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly, they gave towards the work of the temple of God. You hear the leaders gave and then the people gave. Now, why did they do that? Why did they do all this giving? Because of what David had just said and done previously. Look at the extraordinary thing that it says from verse 2. With all my resources, David says, I have provided. All my resources for the temple of God. And he gives a whole list of of different uh, different elements and and precious stones, etc. Verse 3. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold, silver, etc. to the temple of God. Um, Over and above everything I have provided for the holy temple. Verse 5. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today. Who's willing amongst me? I've given all this. Who is willing amongst us? You see, King David, what he's doing here is he's putting, putting up all the money for the temple. He's actually putting up all the money for the temple. The temple was uh, a place, remember, of devotion. It was a place uh, for ministry. It was a place where the word of God was heard. It was a place where people were serving uh, the Lord, but also each other and their neighbor, and helping to provide for them, those in need. And David gives, it says, all my resources to this. The king gave everything he has to do this. Do you see that's really important? He gave absolutely everything he had for this task. Now, the amounts mentioned here, I mean, people have tried to work these out. What would they be in today's kind of language? It's always a bit tricky. But, uh, you know, one, one commentator said it's probably equates to about three or four billion pounds, whether it's one billion, whether it's 10 billion, who knows. But it's a lot of money, isn't it? And David wasn't just giving a proportion of his wealth. He was making his whole wealth at the disposal of this. He was giving it all. He was giving it sacrificially. You see, the reality is, isn't there, is there's a way to give, uh, and I'm sure we all experience this, that really doesn't affect the way you live. Isn't there? There's a way to give where you can just give, but it doesn't really affect you. Um, you give from what you have left over. Um, and once you've done everything else, but there's another way to give that kind of cuts, that sometimes is painful, and it affects the things that you can and you can't do, uh, and the way that you live. And I don't know, I don't know exactly whether that's, I sense that that's what David was about, wasn't it? It must have affected, because he was putting all of his wealth um, available to make this happen. Um, I don't know what that might be for each of you. You have to discern this prayerfully, as Rocky's been saying, but maybe it means the number of times we go on holidays is different, because that's going to cut, isn't it? Um, Maybe it's it's even downsizing. I don't know. Um, I was always struck by 
Um, when I was a student, um, my then girlfriend, <laughs> uh, who's not my wife now, uh, <laughs> um, she told me a story about her parents. She was a Christian uh, lady, and her dad was a doctor, and they had quite a, a large house, um, and circumstances changed for them as a family, and um, his situation and his position changed. And he had to decide what to do in that situation. But because he was a doctor, he, he, he was obviously quite well off. And I remember her telling me that, um, that rather than giving less to God, they decided to sell the family home and move somewhere smaller so that he could not, so they could keep giving as much as they could. Um, to the Lord. And that really stuck with me. I'd never heard that before. It's a bit like Rocky's story, you know. Never heard that before. Isn't that amazing that somebody would do that? Now, I know that's not everyone's situation, and, and I recognize that. But it does say something about the heart, doesn't it? And David did that. He gave sacrificially. What was motivating him? Uh, verse 14 is fascinating, isn't it? But who am I, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It's an amazing statement. Uh, and we need to remember that the kings of this time, in this period, did not act like this normally. You have to understand that kings, the surrounding kings, it was more about hoarding and and gaining power through money and wealth and being more ruthless with it. So this is an extraordinary um, statement that um, David makes. And David had gained much over his life, but he didn't think it was his. You know, it's extraordinary. He gained much, but he didn't think it was his. He thought it was the Lord. He knew deeper reality Um, that we all need to see that what we have comes from God. All that we have, what we've achieved, the talents that we have, the wealth that we have, the skills that we have, the abilities that we have, are actually come from God. But who am I? Who am I? And as a result, he was able to give. And then, of course, as he gave, the leaders responded in giving. And as the leaders responded in giving, the people gave. And, and they diverted their wealth into ministry. What was the kind of ministry? Again, reminded it's the temple ministry, which was about the word of God. It was about ministering to those in need. It was about helping the neighbor. It was about uh, ministries of devotion and mercy to those around. Now, why did they do it? Because their heart was changed. It was about heart change. Again, verse 9, um, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Freely and wholeheartedly. Giving freely here, freely, is, it's, it's a word of liberation, isn't it, to give freely. They were liberated. They weren't actually under any compulsion at all to give. They just gave freely. Um, no longer grudgingly, or, um, but cheerfully. There's that verse, isn't there, in the New Testament, of being a cheerful giver. They gave freely. Um, and they gave from the heart, wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly is the, 
a, a kind of an amalgamation of different words, but it's, it's about the shalom heart, a whole heart giving um, that satisfies, that, that brings peace. That's the kind of motivation. It's coming from a place of peace, of deep peace and of wholeheartedness. And David had experienced the grace of God numerous times in his life, and he gave that, uh, that had liberated him uh, from the slavery of wealth and money uh, and the power that it often can have over us. Um, he was liberated from that, that power of money and wealth. And so I suppose the question is, how can uh, we have this kind of freedom and wholeheartedness? How can we have it uh, in our lives? Uh, and this is where we come to, to verse 19, and it says, Give my son wholehearted, wholehearted devotion, he's praying for his son, to keep your commandments, statutes and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Now, again, we have to sort of step back a little bit, because what David is saying here is that he is not the one to build the temple. I don't know whether you noticed that. David had the, the heart to do it, but he wasn't the one to do it. It was David's son, who was Solomon. Now, why was it that David wasn't to build the temple? Was it just because he'd left it too late? <laughs> or was it an oversight or just uh, too big an idea? No, it's, it wasn't anything to do with that at all. God had told him years earlier, when he had had the idea, you can read about this in chapter 22, uh, and God had told him that he was not going to tell, build the temple. Now, why was that? Well, it says in chapter 22, effectively it says, you, you have shed much blood uh, on the earth. You know, he'd gone into many battles and shed much blood. But you will have a son, and he will be a man of peace. And he will build it, and he will be my son, and he will be, and I will be his father and I'll establish his throne over Israel forever. Forever. There's massive implications here for us, isn't there, as we think about this. And perhaps the first implication is that the temple um, is going to be sign, a sign of, that f- of a future, isn't it? The, uh, of, a, of an establishment forever and ever. Something future. Future world that God is going to bring about. God didn't make a world, you see, of war and violence. He didn't make a world of poverty and disease. Um, And God is going to rid the world of those things. And the temple is going to be a sign of that, isn't it? Of God's perfect presence with his people. A place of God's word being proclaimed. A place where um, people are served and a place of mercy and of restoration, a place of forgiveness and of goodness and of, of love, where people are, are, are with God in his presence, under his rule. David was a man of war, wasn't he? That was the reality uh, when he went into many battles. And this is meant to be a temple of peace of justice, of mercy, of forgiveness, of reconciliation. And God is effectively telling David, you know, I want a man of peace to build this temple. And so secondly, we have a son mentioned. And so first of all, we think, oh, it's Solomon, doesn't it? 
And Solomon builds the temple. And it's a time of great peace, at least initially, for the people. And yet, what does happen to his kingdom? It doesn't end peacefully. And it doesn't certainly establish it forever and ever. Um, it lasts but a couple of hundred years. Um, but this is supposed to last forever. Is the, is the writer here in Chronicles just being poetic license? No. You see, the temple here is a sign of the chasm that exists, doesn't it, between us and God because of our sin and evil in the world. We're cut off from God. Who is going to bridge the gap? Who is going to establish his kingdom forever, which was the promise to David? And of course, you know where this is going. Because it's Jesus, isn't it? That's who he's talking about, right? Here in Chronicles. Jesus comes along and is baptized, isn't he? And a voice comes from heaven who says, this is my son, who I am well pleased in. Uh, The one who says... um, that is a stairways to heaven, you know, in 1 John, where we talk, talk about Jacob's ladder. He's the stairway to heaven. He's the way to the presence of God, um, who says, in three days I will tear it down and build it again in three days. He does this. How does he do this? He does this by, by not only sacrificing a lifestyle. Jesus didn't just sacrifice a lifestyle, did he? Um, of money and possessions, he actually emptied himself, he poured himself out on the cross. God showed us how to give, I suppose is way of putting it, um, through giving us his only son and sacrificing him on the cross so the debt of sin could be paid. So that's the son he's really talking about. That's the establishment. But what's this, again, what does this mean for us in terms of giving? Um, briefly, if the sacrifice, think about it, if the sacrificial generosity of King David moved the Israelites freely and wholeheartedly into sacrificial giving, what should the infinitely greater sacrificial generosity of King Jesus do for us, for me and for you in motivating us to give freely back and wholeheartedly to God. Because that's a greater, infinite more sacrifice, isn't it? And um, as we think about that, that it just so changes um, the way that we think about our, our attitude to money. It must do, surely. It must change every, our attitude. Well, it should change our attitude to everything. It should mould us. It should m- meld us into um, people who respond to the gospel because it's the gospel, it's the good news of Jesus' love, his sacrificial generosity, that he would die for us, that he accepts us right now, that he wants a relationship with us, because he's forgiven us, he's restored us, and he's committed to you forever and ever, and he loves you, and your future is certain in him. And I suppose once we see that, once we gaze upon that, once you see all that, that his life-giving generosity poured out for you, our view of, of 
ourselves and, and our view of our possessions and the things that we have, we can just hold to them so much more lightly. To the extent, isn't it, that other people will get to hear. As we give freely, we're giving freely to the service, if you like, of the temple, of Jesus Christ. As we pour ourselves out, others will get to hear the word of God. Others will be served. Others will be helped and shown mercy through our giving. And it will be a sign of the presence of God in the world. That's what David wanted, wasn't it? He wanted to bring the presence of God right into the centre of worship. Isn't that what we want? We want to bring the centre of God into the, into the presence of God into the centre of our lives and so that we can minister as a church to him so that others will hear. Look at the greater David, I suppose, and his greater sacrifice and look at what he's done for us. And that's surely got to move us. It's moved me, I know it's moved many of us to give freely, wholeheartedly, in ways that you never, ever dreamed or thought possible. Shall we bow our heads and I'll, I'll lead us in prayer, shall I? I'll just take a moment to be quiet before the Lord. And Verse 5 particularly says... Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Who's willing to consecrate themselves to King Jesus? Our God, our Father, we, we thank you so much for the, the, the way that you have poured out your, your love to us in the person of Jesus, that you've given so sacrificially through the death of the Lord Jesus and we will be remembering that greatly this week as we run towards Easter. We thank you and praise you for it and we pray that as we look at his sacrifice that you will you will affect every area of our lives not just in the area of giving and finance but every area that we may pour it out back to you that you may use us uh, for your purposes in our place of work, at home, with friends, wherever we might find ourselves, that you'd use us for your ministry to put King Jesus right at the the centre of everything. We pray that you would, by your spirit, mould us and shape us, that we may be People who give freely, wholeheartedly, back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.